auditor Diana DiZoglio, now most of the way through her first year on the job, ran on a promise to conduct an audit of the notoriously opaque state legislature, something she says the Constitution requires her to do, but that legislative leaders say it prohibits. She's appealing to both Attorney General Andrea Campbell and to voters to resolve the impasse, which would involve the now auditor and former state senator looking into the finances and even committee assignment decisions of her old workplace. But there are heaps of audits on her plate. The troubled MPTA, the Cannabis Control Commission, even Mass Health. I'm Jennifer Smith with Commonwealth, and we're going to get into all of that today. Just a quick note, we're grateful to the auditor for squeezing this conversation into a chaotic Friday before the long weekend, which means you're hearing her outside and on the move. We've done our best to clean up the audio quality, but there will be a few spots where you and I are going to have to go by context clues. So, State Auditor Diana DiZoglio, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It is great to be with you, Jennifer. Thank you so much for the very gracious invitation. Exciting times. Now, if the concept of an auditor hasn't put everyone to sleep yet, stay with me. You've made headlines because auditing headlights are actually trained at the state legislature right now in a few ways. So there are a lot of Massachusetts agencies to audit. Many of them have had serious financial or operational issues. Yes, we will get to the MBTA. But why is auditing the legislature kind of a priority right now? Well, for almost two years on the campaign trail, I talked about Uh, auditing the legislature as part of my platform. And this was something that was actually asked of me. Uh, It wasn't something that I actually just came up with. Folks were asking me along the campaign trail. They said, yeah, that's great. You're going to audit all of these uh, other state entities, but what about the state legislature? Will you also make sure to audit them? And I had said, yes, absolutely. Every other state entity is audited Uh, the legislature should be held to the same standard. And actually, after a lot of research in our office, we found out that the legislature uh, was actually always audited throughout history since the inception of the auditor's office in 1849 uh, and was audited consistently throughout the years at least 113 other times. Only in recent years uh, have those audits dropped off and stopped happening due to a lack of political will And uh, we are just, you know, doing what we do with every other state entity and conducting a performance audit of the state legislature. And uh, it is incredibly unfortunate that legislative leaders still are refusing to comply with what every other state entity has been complying with as a matter of transparency and accountability regarding how our tax dollars are being spent. So most people think of an audit as almost a purely financial exercise, but you're also arguing that the audit should encompass decision-making procedures. Why is that? So in our office, we actually follow uh, auditing practices uh, that come down to us from the Government Accountability Office. And uh, auditing has changed through the years. It used to be just purely financial back in the day. Uh, But now audits actually look at processes. They look at procedures. They look at performance. You mentioned the MBTA. Right now we're conducting an audit of the MBTA and we're doing a performance and a safety audit of the MBTA because those are the challenges uh, that are facing that particular agency. So, of course, the the audit is going to focus on the challenges specific to that agency. Uh, Similarly, with the state legislature, uh, we are also seeking to and are conducting a performance audit, looking at processes, looking at procedures. I don't need to tell anybody listening to this podcast, podcast, excuse me, uh, that 
the state legislature here in Massachusetts is unfortunately ranked as one of the least transparent in the entire nation, not subject to public records laws, not subject to open meeting laws, uh, like our municipalities are, for example, right? Uh, my office is subject to the public record law. Uh, so as the least transparent state legislature in the entire nation, according to most good government groups, we need to work to increase transparency and accountability uh, in any way that we can. And this audit uh, will shine a light on some of the areas uh, where we may need to see improvements, hopefully. And uh, that will be done in an effort to help the state legislature better serve residents across the Commonwealth, regardless of our family background, bank balance, or zip code who deserve a seat at the table where those decisions are made before and not after those decisions have already been made. So before you were state auditor, of course, you also were a member of the legislature itself. Uh, how did that kind of experience give you uh, any direction in trying to start to think about some of the areas where the legislature could be audited? Uh, was it different, I guess, to be sort of on one side of the closed door before and now kind of looking at that closed door, feeling another way about it or the same way about it? Yeah, you know, I often got up on the of the House uh, in either chamber, uh, especially in the state Senate in recent years, where uh, I had highlighted times where I wasn't even given, alongside of my colleagues in the Senate, wasn't even given an opportunity to read what we were being requested to vote on. There was one time in particular that really stood out to me where it was during an informal session, and I had actually stood up on the floor of the Senate and asked the presiding officer how much time legislators were given to read the proposal that was being enacted on the floor that day. And I said, how many minutes were we given to read this proposal? And the response was no minutes, no minutes. So not even one minute was given to review the proposal that was being enacted on the floor that day. Now, if we as legislators during that time were not being given access to those proposals before they were being passed quickly, through in an informal session without roll call votes. What does that say about people's access uh, on the ground level in our communities, in our neighborhoods who have jobs, who have families to care for, who have kids to bring back and forth to childcare uh, and healthcare appointments? You know, the list goes on. People are not getting access to what's happening. And we saw that, or I saw that, I should say, during my time as a state representative, as a senator. And, you know, seeing that uh, firsthand uh, actually did lend to, uh, you know, some of the, the thoughts that I have as state auditor. Certainly those experiences lent to uh, some of the work that we are doing right now alongside of transparency advocates uh, to make sure that we're looking at those processes, that we're looking at those procedures and looking at ways to augment them for taxpayers to make sure that, again, regardless of political background, family, you know, uh, location in Massachusetts, whatever, you, whatever your political background is, we all want to make sure that we're getting access to those, those decision-making conversations while we still have a chance to impact them, right? That's what the democratic process is all about. You know, we hear about landmark bills getting passed through the legislature and, you know, we see the headlines about things that got done up on Beacon Hill, but a lot of times we'll hear from people that they didn't even know that that was actually happening until they read the headline and that they would have left a seat at the table during the process uh, to be able to lend support, even if it was a good 
piece of legislation that was enacted into law. We'll hear from advocates who say, you know, it could have been a little bit better if we would have had the opportunity to amend this one line or to be heard on this one portion of the bill before it was enacted. And we just wish we had that opportunity to participate. So, you know, hopefully this audit will assist uh, in some of those ways to shine a light on what's happening and to help to increase access. And it's been a bit of a gauntlet even kind of getting in the door, so to speak, because legislative leaders, specifically uh, the Senate president and Speaker of the House, have said that the legislature is required to set its own rules and then an audit would violate separations of powers, that their finances are already public and subject to third-party audit. Um, how have you been approaching the questions of, one, whether you're allowed to audit them, and then the other one just of, uh, are they being audited enough aside from what you're trying to do? Many agencies, entities, uh, and departments uh, will conduct their own internal audits uh, or hire third parties to conduct audits uh, to make sure that they're doing their best on their own. You know, folks have their own internal auditors or they'll work alongside of other parties to help to increase transparency. And certainly, I think everybody can appreciate that, right? But the mandate of the auditor's office is to be that independent constitutional officer elected by the people for the people where our office goes in to make sure that those things were being done correctly. Right. So I do hear legislative leaders arguments saying, well, we already hire a third party to conduct audits. So, you know, we we don't want you to come in. And I say with all due respect, that argument so to a lot of other agencies as our office's mandate to go in and to make sure that that was done correctly and that those numbers are correct and that, you know, the, the way that was done was correct. Uh, you know, that is actually something that was done through a procurement process, it seems, right? So who's auditing that procurement process and making sure that that was done in accordance with the law? Uh, so there are a lot of questions uh, re- remaining, even though, uh, yes, everyone can certainly appreciate that certain entities do take initiative Uh, and take it upon themselves to make sure that those audits are being conducted. It is our office's mandate to make sure that that was all done on the up and up and that those numbers are correct and to verify uh, and reconcile uh, those numbers. So, uh, you know, if everything's so transparent, then it should be really easy for our office to come in and to just verify that, right? Uh, So, you know, again, I hope that the Senate president and speaker will, will change their tune, so to speak, and uh, invite us in with with welcome arms in the coming weeks, um, as it's been being made clearer and clearer as the weeks go on that this is what the people want. The people want accountability from their elected leaders. And, you know, how are we uh, navigating their claim that this is not something the auditor's office has the power to do to answer your other question? Well, it's been done 113 other times throughout history. This is not something new. The new thing about this is that it wasn't done in recent years. And the only reason why it was able to be, you know, sort of put out there that, you know, this was supposedly something that was never done before is because all of the audits were not uh, digitized and put up online for people. And we know that folks read stuff offline now. If you can't do a quick Internet search and find it, well, it must not exist. Right. Well, that's not actually accurate. Those those audits were, uh, you know, uh, documented and they were in 
some books, you know, good old fashioned books. And these books that were located in the back of the auditor's office on some dusty shelves. We pulled them off the dusty shelves. We dusted them off. We opened them up. We took a read and we found 113 audits that had been done in previous years, setting and demonstrating clear precedent that this is part of the auditor's mandate uh, to audit the state legislature. Again, like every other state entity. Furthermore, you know, the legislature says, well, you know, you can't do this because there's some constitutional separation of powers. That is a completely bogus argument. If their argument held water, then they themselves would not be able to audit and investigate the executive branch because that would be violating a separation of powers clause. I want to highlight something that, you know, we haven't heard from legislative leaders, and that is the phrase checks and balances, checks and balances. The legislature, uh, you know, has some oversight over the executive branch to make sure the executive branch is functioning or to highlight areas where they need to function better. They have their oversight hearings. They audit the executive branch. They make sure that things are being done, again, on the up and up, uh, and they have these oversight hearings. Similarly, the uh, executive branch and the Constitutional Office of State Auditor has that oversight authority to be able to make sure that everything is on the up and up on the other side of things and in a different department. Uh, so we've heard a lot from them about their claim that there's some separation of powers, but we haven't heard a lot from them about checks and balances. And what they're basically saying right now is, you know, hey, executive branch, an audit for thee, but not for me. And that's not the way that this should go. We all need to be held accountable. We all need to be uh, transparent and, uh, you know, accountable to the people when it, this system of checks and balances that was set up to protect our entities, to protect the people that we serve and to make sure that everybody once again has a seat at that table and knows how their tax dollars are being spent. So you're hoping for the attorney general's support in kind of this effort to establish sort of a fundamental ability to conduct this audit, but you're also working through the ballot initiative process to make explicit the authority to audit the legislature. Talk me through the ballot question itself, what it's seeking to answer, and then what your route is that you're seeing to kind of getting this on the ballot, driving up support for voters. So the law is crystal clear to our office that our office already has the not only authority, but mandate to audit uh, the state legislature, uh, like we do for every other state entity. Uh, and we are seeking the attorney general's uh, assistance in ensuring that the current law is complied with by the state legislature. But in the meantime, while we are awaiting that decision, and I do commend the uh, attorney general's office, I know they're hard at work on this. They've been in contact with our office working on this. Um, you know, while they're looking at these issues, uh, we are absolutely making sure to cover all of our bases. And I am separately in my uh, personal capacity also participating in a ballot initiative where we are going out and collecting signatures. Uh, we need to get 75,000 signatures to get this issue on the ballot. That would uh, make it more crystal clear <laughs> that the legislature is subject to audits from the Office of State Auditor by expressly stating uh, the general court in uh, the law. Now, every other state entity understands uh, that when it says all, uh, that means all. But the legislature, uh, the legislative leaders in particular, 
you know, seem to be confused about the word all and the 113 other audits that have been done. So we want to make it extra clear uh, by putting them expressly in the language of the law so that moving forward, there's no confusion about this ever again, that everybody knows this is what the law says, uh, you know, and that voters have the opportunity to uh, let their voices be heard on this issue and to, uh, you know, let legislative leaders know what they think about this. I can't go anywhere these days without hearing from, you know, Republicans and Democrats across the board, whether you're the most conservative person or the most liberal person, you know, politically speaking in Massachusetts, um, I'm, I'm hearing from you when I go out to the grocery store, when I'm collecting signatures there, uh, when I'm out in the neighborhoods, when I'm at the local events, when you visit us at the state house, you're letting our office know that this is what you want. And we're trying to make sure you have that opportunity to make that clear on the ballot as well, so that this is enshrined into law moving forward. So kind of the the questions logistically of the audit of the legislature sort of notwithstanding, are there other projects that you're looking at right now to address concerns about government transparency, particularly looking at the legislative or executive branches? Yes, yes, yes. So we have about 70 audits <laughs> that are in the works right now, 70-ish. I think I have a couple on my desk that I need to, to read through. Uh, but we do have about 70 audits that we are currently working on. Uh, you may have heard we just released a um, an audit of the Cannabis Control Commission, uh, increasing transparency about uh, the use of pesticides and how, uh, you know, the protocols surrounding pesticides and contaminants in uh, cannabis actually uh, haven't been being caught the way they should have been being caught, uh, which is obviously a public health concern. Uh, so we've been working with the CCC to make sure that expired products and uh, products containing those pesticides are removed from, from the shelves the way that they should be in a timely fashion before consumers are more likely to, uh, you know, unfortunately purchase those products with those contaminants in them. And uh, we've been working alongside the CCC to, to address those matters. And we're going to be following up in the coming months uh, with, with some further uh, things that we are addressing uh, but yes, absolutely. We've been looking at RTAs even. We have our local regional transit authorities, and we've been working uh, to ensure that persons with disabilities are getting their rides on time. We found in different RTAs that uh, it's not always the case that a person with a disability who's waiting for their ride, waiting for their public transportation service, uh, is actually getting that service on time and that they are, you know, not being sort of left out there to, to try to figure out where their, their ride to their doctor's appointment was. Uh, so we're, we're, we're releasing audits on those things right now. Uh, and we will have soon uh, being released, uh, which it's, it's, I'm doing the final review. So I will be in touch on this, uh, an audit of the sex offender registry board uh, that will be being released as well uh, with some findings there. So absolutely uh, in any way we can, as we conduct these audits throughout state entities of the MBTA, of the things that I mentioned, of those non-disclosure agreements being used across state entities, uh, we are working to increase transparency, accountability, and equity. Our Bureau of Special Investigations and our Fraud Detection Unit there uh, is working hard to root out waste, fraud, and abuse throughout our state government systems across the board, uh, in particular with Mass Health, for example, where we uh, in recent months uncovered an estimated 85 million 
uh, of overpayments to managed care organizations for folks who were actually uh, receiving health care from other states, uh, but were still on the rolls here in Massachusetts as well and weren't removed due to a lack of uh, reconciling those differences uh, in, in our, our state systems here. So we've helped in a lot of different capacities and a lot of different state entities. And again, most of those state entities are working with our office to address our concerns, to address the issues that we have raised. You know, the only ones that are pushing back right now is the, the state legislative leadership team. So we're hoping that they'll come back on board and we're hoping that, uh, you know, they'll work alongside of us to increase trans- transparency, accountability and equity uh, like every other state entity where we're doing the same, where we're doing the same. I did want to uh, end on the uh, travails of the MBTA rider here. Uh, we've talked kind of in, in general terms about the MBTA audit. What can you tell us about where that audit is at right now? Because I believe there is also a corresponding bill that you have filed with Chris Worrell and Liz Miranda that would allow you to audit the MBTA more frequently. So where is it at right now? And what would you do with the ability to audit it more? Right. So we have actually requested of the legislature and the administration an MBTA audit unit in the Office of State Auditor, a permanent MBTA audit unit. We believe that increasing accountability at the MBTA is paramount to its future success. And I'm so grateful that Senator Liz Miranda and Representative Chris Worrell both agree. They have filed this bill that would give us the ability to have that MBTA audit unit made permanent in our office. While we are advocating for that unit to be made permanent, uh, we are conducting an audit of the MBTA. Currently, right now, as we speak, we have auditors out in the field uh, doing their jobs, looking at performance and safety in particular. We're looking to do a comprehensive review uh, of ways that we can improve performance at the MBTA, taking a look at uh, some of the contracts over at the MBTA as well. And certainly, look, we don't, you know, this is going to be, you know, this big, huge game changer when it comes to the MBTA. We understand that there's a lot of work to be done and everybody needs to come to the table to assist uh, with, with this effort. But this is just one thing that we can do to help the the, the very uh, you know unfortunate situation over at the MBTA where we have ceiling tiles falling, trains catching on fire, tracks that are going you know causing trains to go at like three miles an hour, which is you know slower than people can walk by it. So you know clearly there's been challenge after challenge over at the MBTA, and our office is uh, doing its part to contribute to all of the other ongoing efforts to assist, to get our transportation system, pun intended, up to speed. And you've said that songs are your way of working things out. You put out a song about government transparency. Fortunately, thank goodness you have a good voice. We appreciate that. Otherwise, I would be very upset about how often that was across my timeline the other week. Do you have more in the pipeline? Is there going to be an EP release? Oh, yeah. Well, I will tell you, uh, I am doing everything I can, including song and dance, in order to uh, get the message out there about this ballot initiative. Because, Jen, you all know what the auditor's office is working on right now, because you all are up on Beacon Hill, you're around, you're hearing about all the stuff that's happening. But, you know, to your original point at the beginning of this conversation, if a conversation about audits hasn't already put you to sleep, you know, uh, thanks for still paying attention, essentially. 
look, I get it. This isn't a topic that people normally hear about. And when I walk in and people say, you know, oh, our auditor's here, you know, people go running in the other direction because they, they assume that, oh God, she, she can audit me. She's, she's part of the IRS. No, I do not audit you. Uh, I audit the government for you. Uh, and uh, we're still working on, you know, uh, educating folks about what our office does, uh, letting folks know about how we're here to help. And there's a lot of work to be done in that space about letting people know even what we do in our office who still are like, oh, what's the auditor? Oh, you're an elected official? Yes. Hi, I'm Diana. Thanks. Nice to meet you. So so we understand the challenge uh, that we're faced with in getting the message out there about this ballot question and then raising awareness about the need to vote yes when we get it on the ballot to make sure that this actually happens. So yes, I will sing. I will do theater performances, uh, whatever it takes. I'm, I'm on board. We need to get the message out there. And uh, if we can do it through song, why not? Why not? The governor plays basketball. She's really great at playing basketball. I got cut from the basketball team in high school. So so I sang and I sit at my piano and that's my outlet. And uh, that's the way that we can work to raise awareness. Thank you again to State Auditor Diana DiZoglio for being here with us on the podcast this week. And to our listeners, we'll be back in your ears next week.